now our guest for our season preview edition of the tkw podcast is uh nba content creator a a grizzlies super fan if you will uh molly morrison what's going on molly thank you for joining us hey guys just just excited you know i mean today we're recording this start of the season tomorrow our teams play but just good vibes all around it's exciting time it's always an exciting time. It's a, you know, officially NBA's back day, everybody's favorite day in the calendar. It's a great, great time. You know, we got a couple of games going on tonight as we're recording this, you know, Sixers Celtics, Lakers Warriors, uh, you know, so good opening slate, but you know, really, really the main event is tomorrow night. It's, it's exactly. the New York Knickerbockers. It's the, the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I mean, before we even get to, you know, specifically a matchup, anything like that, you know, just a little vibe check on the Grizzlies, you know, coming into this season, you know, very exciting right. last year. Obviously we know it's a very young, exciting team. A lot of personalities, John Morant, of course, JJJ, of course, Desmond Bain, you know I mean? The list goes on. It's a great team, but I mean, how are you feeling entering this season just in general with this team? Yeah. I mean, it's a complicated question. Uh, there's so many factors that go into how I'm feeling, you know, every season I feel like in recent history, the Grizzlies have exceeded all people's expectations. But what makes this season tricky is obviously you go from being the two seed, you know, the second best team in the entire league record wise. And then, you know, having a really impressive playoff run that comes to an end when your superstar point guard gets injured, not saying they wouldn't have <laughs> lost had that not been the case, but it definitely didn't help things. And then you're getting rid of two guys who were key pieces of your rotation and Anthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, both offensively and especially defensively. And then your best defensive player, Jaron Jackson Jr., is sidelined for we don't really know how long. So those factors definitely make you think, you know, okay, now what? Um, the losses of Melton and Anderson are really to make way for the rookies, right? So they drafted LaRavia, they have Roddy now. And in terms of how I feel going into the season, I feel like it's going to take a minute for them to find their groove, especially with, you mentioned one of you was, when I was messaging, mentioned Santi Aldama. Um, you know, he's now a starter. So you go from one of the best defensive players in the league being your starting power forward to Santi Aldama, a 21-year-old who's never started for an NBA basketball team. Um, there's going to be a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of question marks in the rotation, of course, question marks. And will the starting lineup say the same? But I think the biggest question is the second unit and just sort of this pool of guys trying to figure out, okay, what's working. And I think that'll take time, but I'm feeling all right. You have John Moran on your team. You can't be too bummed. I'm feeling all right. Desmond Bain. Dylan Brooks, I'm really high on him. With um, so with right. Santi Aldama being penciled in as the starter, that's everything that I've been hearing as well. Would you say that that's really just to keep the second unit as intact uh, as possible with Brandon Clark staying on that second unit? He just got a, a nice little contract extension. He did, yeah. But it looks like he'll still be in that you know sometimes closing super sub type of role. Um, you know, what do yeah. you think of the dynamic there with uh, Santi Aldama and Brandon Clark? Um, well, San Santi Aldama is really just who ended up winning that role. Brandon is someone that they like off the bench. He brings a really good energy to that second unit. Also, the second unit lacks, you know, maybe the size that you would want. So someone like Brandon is good to have in there. And then Santi is just, he's going to, you know, he was someone who really didn't show anything until summer league. I don't know if y'all were able to watch him. But he's 6'11", 7 feet. He plays like his size. You know, he's got extreme length. He is not going to be who Jaron Jackson is. Defensively, he has the potential to be better than Jaron was offensively, especially last season. He struggled a lot. Um, 
from three. So I feel like the offense and this floor spacing is really going to be what makes him maybe that better starting role as opposed to Brandon, who really, you know, works in the paint, um, the mid range. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Santi is going to get a really good test come Wednesday, come Wednesday. It's going to, it's going to be weird. Uh, it's, it's like, we have such a small sample size of games we've watched him in. So it's hard for me to sit here and be like, this is how he's going to be. So that's kind of where I'm at. Well, he was a, he was a big waiver wire pickup for me in the Knicks wall fantasy league. So I'm really happy to hear you gush about him like this. I'll call it. Gush. I don't know if this is gushing, but <laughs> I did happen to see him in summer league though. And that's definitely what planted the seed for, um, you know, being, being very fascinated by him this year. Cause he's got some, some interesting ball skills for someone of that size. Yeah. And yeah, honestly, sure. I just, um, especially with the Memphis Grizzlies, new player hopping on the scene. It's always exciting. I like to see people make a name for themselves and the Grizzlies have been awesome at identifying talent on the margins. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Zaire is someone, Zaire Williams is someone who I would say is probably the most expected to make a big leap this year. The coaches are trusting him with a lot of different roles. They're trying to trust him with the ball more and he's proved to be a really efficient shooter. He is very long. He runs like a Baby dear, I always say, but he's just a really good player. And I feel like he could have the kind of lead because, you know, you have John Bain who are going to be your two best players, but both of them last season, the leaps they took were just like astronomical, right? So it's hard to imagine either of them being like that much better. So you really have to look at everyone else and be like, okay, we saw them at, you know, they'll continue to improve gradually and but it would be hard. You know, both of them were considered highly for most improved player in the league. So it'd be hard to improve more than that. Y'all know something or two about most improved players. Um, not improved. <laughs> that was a little bit of shade thrown. Um, but yeah. A little bit of Julius Randall shade. Yeah. It just like came to me naturally, but I'm actually, I'm pretty high on Randall. So like not even dissing him. I feel like he was set up for failure last season. Well, you're talking to Obi Toppin's number one fan, so I will not censor a guest from taking a little jab, a little lighthearted jab at Julius Randle. It's all yeah. We're all rooting for Julius Randle. The truth is always somewhere in the middle with Julius, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) Two two years of of not having a point guard will do that for you. Um, Literally. Alfred Payton uh, technically is classified as a point guard, but is he really? An NBA point guard, he's not. And then you know, Alec Burks last season. The point guard himself, Alec Burks. Uh, we were, su- <laughs> you know, we were subjected to forty-eight minutes of point Burks every night, uh, despite oh having God. multiple other capable guards in the roster because Tom Thibodeau is Tom Thibodeau. But uh, yeah, I mean, having a a actual competent and offensively capable point guard is probably a nice change of pace, not just for uh, yes. one Mr. Julius Randle, but. Uh, the organization, the franchise at large, because that is the one position we quite literally never have. The one skill set at that yeah. position we never have. We've had capable guards before, but nobody who could score the, the basketball, unfortunately. So it's a dream of mine now to have a just regular good starting point guard in Jalen Brunson. And uh, in the preseason, you know, Julius looked a little bit better as a second, third option, which a minimized role from his really gargantuanly outsized role uh, seems to be the right fit. So yeah, just get the ball out of his hands more too. It's like so important, you know, take that pressure off of him. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that will allow him room to thrive more like he did before, you know, with all the point guard struggles that just seem to get worse and worse. (laughs) Every experiment was just, was just not working. I personally, I love, the Knicks signing Brunson. That was one of my favorite moves in the off season. Brunson like completely won me over in the playoffs last season. He is a guy who there aren't, you know, like everyone's, you know, Oh, is he worth paying that much money? But like an NBA point guards, when you have a point guard with that skill and you've been struggling to find a point guard, like you're going to pay him. And I really, really like that fit. Yeah, Brunson, uh, you know, arguably the best player to change teams this summer via just a free agency signing. And you don't expect to be able to get someone that good, especially who's young in yeah. free agency these days. Like, you know, you see a lot of times teams stockpile these 
like eight to 12 million dollar contracts in order to throw them together to make a trade to get a player of that kind of caliber. And um, I think we were pretty fortunate that, uh, you know, Nick's upper management had that connection with Jalen Brunson. Right. And probably planted the seed a long time ago for him to be interested in playing in New York. And um, yeah. I think that Mark Cuban really overthought it. I think he should have paid Jalen Brunson, especially. Oh, of course, yeah, these deals being handed out in the last couple of days, this Jordan Poole contract, Kevin Porter's contract, even though that one's got um, some light guarantees on it, Tyler Hero's deal. Yeah. I'm very happy with Brunson. I'm very happy with that contract number. It's not my money, but, you know, <laughs> we're really happy to have Brunson. And I think from, like, yeah. the first play, of preseason where Jalen Brunson got himself a bucket in very good. Yeah, he's been good. He's been good. Yeah, we're excited about that. It's been a long time. We had two weeks of Jeremy Lin and we had like 2010 Raymond Felton. Those were our last like maybe better NBA point guard. So we're very excited. Yeah, for sure. The point guard, I'd say, is a pretty important role to fill. (laughs) It's yeah, arguably one of the most important and we have been really lacking. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, Kyle mentioned Alfred Payton before. We actually have a rule. We're not allowed to mention him. That's Sean's rule. Um, I'm wearing okay. Sean's hoodie, so um, I'll represent. But uh, I think we should talk about it. I don't think that uh, we should keep anything in the dark. Here. We've been through what we've been through. It's you know, led to a good thing now. Good thing with Hey, I, I am a fan of a team who once had 28 players on their roster in one season. Um, I've watched backup point guards like Jordan Farmar, Ray McCollum, these. So I understand those kind of struggles. And I don't think any player should be banned from talking about it. It's what makes it fun. Like when you're sitting at the top of the hill, oh, remember when we were playing this guy? Yeah, we've definitely got that in spades with the Knicks. Remember this guy. <laughs> we have um, we have an account at the Knicks Walk called, what do we call it? Random Nick? Kyle? Yeah. yeah. Random yeah, Nick random is one of my favorite things that we do. We had someone on, someone got posted yesterday that was a great blast from the past. We did Ronnie Brewer the other day. I thought Ronnie Brewer was better than random. Ronnie Brewer was a yeah. was key starter for us. One of those 15 minute starters, all defense. No, oh, yeah. Random Grizzly is like my favorite game ever. Bryce Cotton, Ray McCollum, guys <laughs> like that. You know who I really liked? It was like the tandem of Jarrell Brantley and who was the other like really strong power forward, backup power forward. Now I'm blanking, but I think it was from LSU. Anyway. Wait for y'all? No, for the Grizzlies. Oh, for the Grizzlies? Um. Oh, Jim. It wasn't, you're not talking about Jermichael. You went to Alabama. Um, oh, are you talking about, you're not talking about Jarrell Martin. I, I think I might be. Good really? rebounder, really strong. Dude, that was so long ago. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, like, well. his, his stint felt like ages <laughs> ago. I mean, the Grizzlies, our front office changed. So, you know, you went from drafting like Jarrell Martin, Darnell Stokes, Jordan Adams. Darnell Stokes was to, another one of them. Yeah, yeah, to, you know, drafting Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark as your later pick. So you didn't even mention Hashim to beat. That's impressive. No, but we, we, that's okay. You know what? That I will, I go back in my stance. That is the name that we can, we can erase from being able to talk about. If y'all can have Alfred Payton, I'll, I'll put Hashim to beat there. So that's two NBA teams, two band names. We'll, uh, We'll have some other guests on the rest of the year and see see who they're. Ask for. who Let's they're. Too who fresh, they're. too soon. If you ask Memphis, if you ask Memphis fans, they'd say Chandler Parsons and Hashim oh, yeah. Beat probably. Does John Hollinger go hand in hand with Chandler Parsons or not? No comment. <laughs> no comment. Hollinger is a great. He's a great basketball mind. He just makes jokes about it a lot. He I know. Well, I think that no, I get a lot of kicks out of that. Yeah. No. I know. I honestly, I like didn't really know about his involvement in that entire situation until like after the fact um but yeah it's and then there's always you know Chandler like he loves to come on Twitter and like remind people like that he stole a bunch of money from the Grizzlies it's sort of this like funny savage thing and I've never like commented on it because I try to like not completely I don't I try not to badmouth players especially players who have like played for the Grizzlies but I will say it's like kind of weird to me how he thinks it's this like own to always be like I sucked 
and like did nothing for the Grizzlies, but you paid me a bunch of money. It's like, I don't know. It's I, like good for you. I, I will say that, but it feels like a weird thing to like constantly flex. Anyway, that's like completely off topic. <laughs> yeah, no, our, our equivalent of that is probably Joakim Noah. He's he's taking some jabs at the Knicks. So. Really? Yeah, but it's all in good fun. And uh, Joakim That's another Noah, former Grizz. Yeah, he was a hell of a player to watch in his prime. So I don't, I don't have any beef with him. I don't think that he could have propelled those Knicks teams much higher than they were. But speaking of propelling teams further, do you see another leap ahead for John Morant? Do you, and what would that look like? Because last year he was quite remarkable. Knicks fans right. have a little, you know, friendly banter going back and forth right. with John Morant, but at the Knicks wall, we appreciate him. We love to watch John Morant. You mean because of RJ, like being next to each other? Yeah, that's, or... we, we like to say comparison is the thief of joy. We like to remind people that um, they're just both really exciting, fun, young players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was like, I felt like it was one of those drafts where it was obvious those two were going to go first and RJ was going to like an obvious third. And then after that, it was, so it didn't feel like it was like, Ooh, are they going to draft RJ or jaw? And honestly, it was pretty obvious they were going to draft jaw. Um, I feel like honestly, to me, I've seen more like Zion versus jaw comparisons over the years, but RJ, sorry, the question is jaw going to, could he take another step? The answer is yes. When you're dealing with, an elite young talent like that who is always looking to improve I mean you mentioned the jump he had last season that caused him to win most improved player and then to also get not only his first all-star spot but to start in the very first all-star game that he was ever in that is a pretty impressive feat and just shows how much of a jump he took I mean I would say yes he will a lot of the skills that he has been working on are skills that will continue to improve and allow that jump such as his three-point shot you know that there was a period of time that it was freaking out every single time but what I always admired about him was like the volume in which he continued to take those shots because then not that John Ben Simmons are comparable really at all but you know then you're your fourth fifth year in the league and you're you can't make a three and you don't want to take a three so the fact that he was willing to, you know, take that criticism just to keep improving his shot was was definitely impressive. I also feel like he's kind of underrated as a rebounder, which sounds funny, but he really, like, for his size, is really good at getting those rebounds that, you know, bounce out. And his defense is something he is continuing to improve on. He is... Again, he's not really a huge factor defensively, but it's something that he works on. And just his all-around game, the way he is able to create and make his teammates, for his teammates and make his teammates better, I feel like is the most underrated part of his game. You know, everyone sees like the flashiness, the the fast break, but really what allowed Ja to bring the Grizzlies to become a team who was successful in the regular season and playoffs, which again, you can look at some other teams who are led by a young star and as as good as the young star is, it's not able to necessarily translate right away to the team. But the reason they were able to make the playoffs in Jaws first season, or at least the play in was not only because of his personal skills, but the way he is able to create and help his teammates. So I feel like having a guy like him who isn't selfish with the ball, who does want to find those extra passes and make those plays for his teammates is going to be really beneficial for the other, you know, these young guys and just continuing to make the team better. And he's like freaking awesome. Like who doesn't, who doesn't watch him and just feel like, Oh my God, this guy is freaking awesome. So it's, it's just the segment and, and Dean knows this. Uh, maybe I'm just a little long in the tooth at this point with as long as I've been doing this with the Knicks stuff, but there's a segment of, of, of Knicks fans that, that have access to the internet, unfortunately, where uh, anytime somebody is good and fun on another team uh, for absolutely no reason at all with, no real incidents occurring between our two franchises. We have to, for no reason, uh, declare that that player is bad or wildly overrated or he actually stinks is, is something you see sometimes. Well, he doesn't play defense, so how good is he really? You know, stuff like right. that. 
And, you know, you just got a little tired of it. It's just, how can everybody suck all the time? I mean, don't you yes. get exhausted? We, we root for this franchise. It's often never good. And then everybody sucks. I mean, it, it's very yeah. tiring. The John Moran stuff was, it threw me for a loop last year. I couldn't believe that that was somebody that got targeted by Knicks fans. But yeah, anyway, you know, he is good and fun. And most sensible fans agree that he is good and fun. Uh, I've always right. been a big jaw guy. Of You know, many people are big jaw guys. Um, I was hoping to get him come draft time. We got pick three because we never get picks one or two. Um, very happy with RJ in that circumstance. Yeah. But uh, my my longtime rule of thumb has always been just draft point guards uh, repeatedly every year until one of them is a superstar. And Ja right. was top of my list and didn't happen. But very glad he went to Memphis. Of course, uh, he's doing great things there. It's very fun to watch. But um, now, you know, kind of moving on to the game tomorrow. Uh, very excited because they've actually had some good matchups, these Knicks and Grizzlies, these last couple of years. You know, my favorite moment uh, was, I believe, two years ago when R.J. Barrett went rumbling down the paint uh, in the clutch and uh, really just rammed himself into John Morant and sent him tumbling uh, for a very clutch basket. Uh, you know, yeah. it, was, it was a very fun thing, you know, for, you know, we don't get many wins, so it was very fun to see at that point. Right. But I'm like, I don't even really remember that. <laughs> it, was, it was at MSG. It was, it was a good time. And, yeah. uh, you know, but I'm just excited in general because uh, I like when there's draft class, not rivalries, but I like when, those top couple of guys get compared, you know, obviously for a long time, it was like LeBron and Melo and Dwayne Wade. Um, I've for a long time been thinking that the 2019 draft class is going to go down as one of the best, not entirely, but one of the best one, two, threes at the top of the draft. Um, mm. Possibly. I was about NBA to say, history. I don't think overall, but not overall, but yeah, you know, if, if Zion can stay on a basketball court and Ja keeps doing what Ja is doing and RJ yeah. keeps taking steps towards getting to be a 25 ish point per game guy, like he showed, from 2022 onward last season, then we're looking at something special because normally you get picks one and three are good, but not all three or picks two and three are good. You know That's what I mean? That's actually, yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah. So, you know, just seeing these guys continue to grow and kind of have that, it's not really a rivalry, but just that sort of competitive back and forth over their careers coming in, being, you know, the you know two three picks to me that's always going to be fun i always look forward yeah, for that stuff yeah. you always want to see yeah. what they're doing for their franchises you know totally. there's always a, there's always a lot about what rj isn't specifically but one thing that he has been is despite some of his flaws he's helped to shore up for example the defense some of the playmaking he's slowly coming to his own as a scorer uh there was a lot about how he can't shoot now he's a good mm -hmm. three-point shooter right so yeah. you know Little thing that he's added to his game, the same way Ja has ramped it up. You know, of course, right. we always knew he was explosive, but like you said, he started to make people better, started to really figure out the volume part of his scoring game. And uh, it's just, you know, kind of an exciting way to kind of kick off the season, knowing that we get, you know, those two guys from a very, you know, still very young, entering yeah. their fourth years now. And it, you know, we want to see something now, just like Ja got to the All Star game last year. Is this a year where out East RJ Barrett can get to the All Star game, you know, and, Tomorrow night we started, but what do you think, I guess, is there anything very specifically just for this game, not a season-long preview? I mean, is there anything you're looking for specifically just on the Grizzly side, Knicks side, whatever in general? What are you looking, I guess, to accomplish just from one game? We know it's overreaction season. Everybody loves, you know, first-half takeaways, first right. game takeaways. We go 1-0, right. we're going to say we're going to be a top-three seed if we beat the Grizzlies. So, Absolutely. I mean, what are you looking for? What are you hoping for to happen tomorrow? Besides a win, obviously. What I'm hoping is that Santi doesn't get like absolutely brutalized by um, Julius Randle. So that matchup to me is like pretty much the only one that I will have my eyes like peeled to because it's it's a huge question mark. As I said earlier, this guy's never started for an NBA team. He doesn't have much experience, and Julius Randle is a bulldog you know <laughs> like I just feel like he could um he could expose some flaws in Santi's game that might make us force the Grizzlies to try to come up with maybe a solution for someone else to be on Randall which there isn't really a great solution for that I would say you know y'all we talked about Brandon Clark earlier that could be a solution but it's not really ideal so Really just can Santi do it? Can he take, can he hold his own against, you know, a really, really great forward? And I feel like we will have to see. 
Yeah, one thing Julius Randle tends to do, um, which should be kept in mind, is when he has a matchup where he thinks that he has a huge advantage, sometimes he tries to do a bit much. Yeah. A lot of times you'd be like, oh, I really love this matchup for Randle. And then the next thing you know, he just tried to make a, a few too many things happen and it's a couple of turnovers in a row. Um, but one thing I will say is that I think that John Morant might be able to get his season off to a really hot start because yeah. the, Knicks, yeah, the Knicks intend to start uh, Jalen Brunson and Evan Fournier together in the backcourt for the foreseeable future. Quentin Grimes was in that mix uh, to potentially be in Fournier's spot, but it seems like he's I was going to ask who y'all's yeah. fifth starter was. I thought it, it was Fournier. So, it, it, it so that'll be, be Fournier to start. Yeah. Um, Grimes. Uh, I think Grimes has a chance to take that job and I think he'll keep it if he's able to earn it, but uh, he's dealing with some kind of foot injury. It's been a little nebulous coming out of, yeah. uh, coming out of the Knicks organization on that. So we're going to have to see with that, but yeah. I don't think that they're going to have RJ guard John Morant. Um, no, I think other Dylan. matchup problems. So yeah, if it's not going to be RJ, um, I think Mitchell Robinson might be at risk of some early foul trouble because John Morant is going to be getting by. You know, the yeah. Fournays and Brunsons, yeah. I think, with, um, with relative ease. I feel like if Jaron was there and was healthy, that would be another question. Is Julius Randle going to cause Jaron to get in foul trouble? So there's definitely, it's not like there wouldn't be that, those questions there. But yeah, I feel like Ja um, and Brunson, I, you mentioned Fournier. Fournier. Um, he and I bet Bain will cover him and then rj i the grizzlies usually put dylan on their best score because you know he can move around so guys who aren't just shooting outside shots i feel like fournier is kind of that type of player which is what would make bane defend him better so all the other matchups i'm not necessarily concerned about um i feel like for the knicks to win the game if we're being honest because right like the grizzlies are better than the Knicks, their best player is better than the Knicks' best player. Um, it would really have to be like Randall has a great game and scores thirty. I see that as like the outcome uh, there. Yeah, if um, if Julius Randall has a great game and scores thirty, um, I think there are a lot of Knicks fans would be extremely encouraged. Um, hopefully, having Brunson now means that the Knicks can come away with some tough wins uh, without Randall having to go superhero mode. I mean, a couple of years ago when the Knicks really exceeded expectations in that shortened season, they were 41 and 31. Um, they were something like 18 wins over their projected like Vegas win total. And that was Julius Randall becoming a 24, 10 and six guy that, you know, no one saw coming. Um, right. I think that, yeah, last year, you know, Julius went for a repeat type of performance and uh, his jumper kind of abandoned him. Um, the circumstances, you know, the stars didn't really align for him to have another all-star type of year, but I think the Knicks have a little bit more depth now and they've had solid depth for a few years, um, lacking yeah. a little bit in high end talent. Like you said, the Knicks don't have a John Moran on their roster, but yeah. um, I think that, I think that this is going to be quite a good matchup, um, especially with uh, Jaron Jackson out. Um, I'm going to be watching for this Randall and Aldama matchup now that, now yeah, that yeah. Has, I knew Aldama would start, but I, I forgot about Randall. I forgot that that means Randall is guarded by Aldama. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe look, hopefully for us, speaking for me, for Kyle, for, for New York, hopefully Randall dominates his matchup. Hopefully Obi gets the better of Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark's going to uh, have to yeah. do a lot of running back on defense. Yeah. Uh, I was going to, I was going to mention um, Obi. You said you're really high on him. He's my favorite player. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. I, I feel like, were, was it like a little frustrating last season? Because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of guys were like the same position and it didn't necessarily allow um, some younger players as much time. So do you feel like that'll be like improved this season? No, um, I think <laughs> that the team will be better, but I don't think Tom Thibodeau will be changing his ways. Uh, he turned 65. Is that a trend with the Knicks is not really playing younger talent as much as you would like? It's interesting because at the same time, you get the sense that they're very invested in the young players. I don't think that Tibbs cares about the young players any less than he does his veteran players. Um, his, you know, his method is just to lean on his veteran players in games. 
Um, I'm sure that all these young players on the Knicks will get a lot better for having been coached by Tom Thibodeau for the work that they have to put in in practice. But, um, you know, in the actual games, like you said, a couple of players playing the same position, Obi Toppin and Julius Randle playing together, you know, it wouldn't be a crazy thing. It's not that yeah. out there of a thing to try. But Tom Thibodeau really likes to have his players in very yeah. regimented roles, um, very set roles. And so now, especially with Hartenstein coming in, there are no center minutes for Obi. Um, yeah. Quickly, he's still behind, you know, he's still now he's behind Brunson. He was behind Alec Burks, even though that didn't make a lot of rational right. sense. So, yeah, um, young players have a tough path to minutes on the Knicks, but I do think that the Knicks are invested in them and and I high expectations. I'd like to push back a bit because this is something I don't like seeing on Twitter all the time. Now, yes, I would like Obi should have played more, right? Obi absolutely should have played more. It's 2022 in the NBA. You can mix up your fours and your fives. It's very, very easy to do. There's yeah. no reason he couldn't have played alongside Randall. The numbers with Randall were actually positive. They were very, very good. Uh, despite Tom Thibodeau throwing out propaganda to start the season, calling uh, basically the reason for why the numbers were good uh, blowouts when we know that there were not very new blowouts last season, like garbage time, because we weren't winning many games. So where did that happen? Because you had to have tried it in a, in a meaningful moment of the game. My pushback is largely because people claim if basically uh, all of the kids aren't playing, then Tibbs is playing none of the kids. And it's a very strange dynamic because Emmanuel quickly averaged 23 points, uh, 23 yeah. minutes per game last season. Uh, towards the second half of the season, he was averaging over 25, about 25, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Quentin Grimes was not some highly touted rookie coming out of school. He was our first round pick, but that doesn't guarantee you 20 minutes a game when game one of the season starts. But by about the middle of the year and onward, he was averaging between 15, 20 minutes a game, which is pretty solid as a rotation player. Yeah. Uh, Obi was the one who probably wasn't playing that much, but he's playing about 15 minutes a game, right? Mitchell Robinson, mind you, was in year what? Three, four last year, right? So, I mean, he's still technically a younger player. RJ is a starter on the team their third year player, you know, last season, right. Played yeah. more than some, you know, most in the NBA. Uh, there were four or so players in the rotation that were younger, that were playing 20 plus minutes a game. And especially the second half of the season. And while I get, it wasn't at all the rotation, maybe we wanted, it wasn't that these guys weren't playing, you know, you can't have an eight man rotation of just first to third year players either. So it's not that I, you know, I'm pro the rotations from last year. It's just, you know, factually, we can't keep saying the kids didn't play when yeah. all the kids who are good, basically outside of Obi were playing and playing pretty sizable, at least roles in the rotation. So it's an unfortunate yeah. thing we have to sometimes parse back through. So it's like, yes, Obi should have played more, but like, you know, at the same time, for whatever reason, they're not going to play him with Randall. Uh, Randall, they signed that four-year deal for it. There's no way he wasn't going to play, you know, as many minutes as he was going to yeah. play. Uh, it's more just Tibbs not really being creative. That was yeah. the problem. If Obi was playing 20 minutes a night all season, I don't think we hear that argument, but it's the fact that everything wasn't perfect. Therefore the kids aren't playing. That was more the issue or like Burke's playing 48, you know, 30 plus minutes a night when quickly was playing 25. People just wanted to see that. Right. Game, right. right. And so then, like, I, like, I get it. Yeah. And then when Obi his rookie year, of course, Randall has like that freaking superstar season so it's like a lot of factors go to it he what did he end up averaging it, it was he averaged like a really low number didn't he last season julius Obi. or Obi? Obi. it was like 13 12 13 right dean yeah ob um it's a little misleading he finished this season averaging 17 minutes but randall didn't play in the last 11 or so games i think so yeah. that's when ob started to really shine when he got a bigger opportunity and uh, we saw things come okay. together for him uh, Molly, I wanted to ask you, who fills the void in the rotation left by Melton and Kyle Anderson? Okay, wait, first, I have one more comment on Obi because I was really oh. curious. So I pulled up, I like did some superlatives for Bleacher Report. And I thought I, I had Obi actually as one of the nominees for my Desmond Bain Award this season, which means doubling their scoring average potentially. So he averaged nine. Um, last season and yeah I said that I could see him potentially doubling so I was like I, I was like I'm pretty sure I did something on that anyway yeah so in terms of replacing those two the biggest positive they had to the roster was like their transition offense and defense like there was really like no it felt like 
there was no better team at points backups that could do, you know, what they were doing. But we basically replaced them. What we did was we replaced them with Laravia and Roddy. We, the Grizzlies decided we are going to invest in draft picks instead of paying them what maybe they could get paid some by somebody else. And that's what they did. So they drafted two guys who they would like to fill those roles. I remember late on draft night, I'm trying to fall asleep. It's like one 30 in the morning and I watched some David Roddy highlights. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is a fun time. David Roddy highlights are something very unique. You don't really see that kind of mix of, it's a guy with that kind of size and strength being that just fast. explosiveness. Yeah. yeah. With a smooth pull-up game to boot. Um, I hope we can see some minutes for him this year, but if he's, we will, we yeah, will for sure. I initially the Memphis hustle. I think that'll be, there'll, there'll be some great highlights created, you know, or I think he could potentially be a player on our second unit that really has a chance to shine, especially, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Zaire is actually out right now. Um, What's so Zaire? he'll be out. Like, the, I don't really know. He it happened during preseason. Oh. Sire Williams injury. They've been kind of vague about it. Um, situation. Oh, it's like knee soreness. Yeah, so it's obviously nothing. Whatever he could even play in the season opener, but yeah. I feel like Roddy was initially who I wanted to replace Jaron in the starting lineup, just based on what I saw, you know, watch, like you said, watching his highlights. I mean, man, like he's so big and he's such a bully, but he can also really successfully space, space the floor. So I have a feeling he'll be, it'll kind of be him and LaRavia potentially in a position where they're fighting for that spot in the second unit. Taylor Jenkins likes to really play a 10 man rotation. So it'll be interesting, but Speaking of Grizzlies rookies, I mean, it's not just the two of them. They also have Vince Williams. And then more, the most exciting is Kenny Lofton Jr., who was the most fun to watch during Summer League to me. So it's a lot of lot of things going on. Yeah, for a, few, uh, for a few years now, the Grizzlies have been like the honorary draft Twitter dream team. Yes. Yeah, the yes. guys that they take, it's always like, no, especially in Desmond Bain, I got to say Twitter was right about that one. Um, with every pick that Desmond Bain wasn't selected leading up to that Grizzlies pick, people were perplexed. Um, I was definitely hoping the Knicks would come away with Bain. They ended up with quickly in the twenties in that draft. So I have absolutely zero complaints there. Literally. Yeah. But, uh, but Bain is a great player. And what is his, um, what would him taking a leap forward look like to you? I'm not exactly sure what he averaged last year. I want to say it was close to 20, right? Points yeah, it was, it was like 20. He, he doubled his average. So he got to, right, that's... I don't know exactly the number, but it was definitely like around 20. Um, God, I lost my train of thought. What was like, what did you ask? <laughs> um, Desmond Bain taking a leap and what it would look like. Oh yeah. In terms of like the draft Twitter. Yeah. I feel like the reason he wasn't drafted was because like people were so obsessed with how he has like a really small wingspan, which is kind of funny because he does have like short T-Rex looking arms. But despite that, he, his defense is actually surprisingly good. And he's also just a guy who's going to work, work hard. So I would say in terms of how he can improve this season, he's someone who always is just looking for ways to improve. Um, and you can see that on the court. He's trying to improve defensively and his shot. I mean, just continuing to shoot at a high volume, continuing to get better with the ball in his hands. Um, so, yeah, I feel like he, to me, I feel like I see him t- kind of having like a CJ McCollum type role with the Grizzlies. And I see him and Jaw potentially being like a Dame and CJ McCollum pairing. So, but maybe with slightly better defensive ability. So, yeah, just continuing to really sharpen his role. And I mean, I don't have many complaints where he comes from because I've never had a player on the Grizzlies who every time they shoot, I will not be mad. Like he has earned my, he has earned my um, permission to take any shot whenever he wants. So. Yeah. With, uh, with the Knicks teams that Kyle and I have been watching for all these years now, we've had to get, Pretty, pretty interesting with like who's allowed to take whatever shot they want. 
Um, I think yeah. the first example that would come to Knicks fans' mind is J.R. Smith. Because like he he could make those shots. We needed him to literally. Take. I was never mad at J.R. Smith. Never. That's how I feel about Jay Crowder, even though he like misses a lot of them. I was always like, you know what? He's he's gonna take the shot. The one player who does not have that permission is Dylan Brooks. Um oh, I see. He's probably wore out his all, all the goodwill he has to shoot whatever shot he wants. It must be, it must be fading. Yeah, and you Dylan, know, you asked Dylan me Brooks, about sorry, is, go ahead. I just wanted to ask, like, because I know, um, I know there's this thing with Dylan Brooks shot selection. Are Grizzlies fans down on Dylan Brooks at all, or is it more of like, uh, I wish this guy would rein in the shot selection a bit? I don't think Grizzlies fans are down on Dylan Brooks because they, I mean, without Jaron, he's undoubtedly the best defender on the team, and that is something they really need right now. Like the Grizzlies are lacking, um, lacking defenders, like you know, these rookies, they are, that's the biggest loss. And Melton and Anderson is these rookies are not going to be able to defend as well as they did. So just knowing that and the way Dylan has that ability to get, you know, get in these guys heads, like the KDs and the, what, the whatnots, that's something that Tony Allen had. And that's why Grizzlies fans loved him and were okay with him missing layups and, you know, taking silly shots. So I feel like if Dylan is able, and I think he finally will be able to sort of take a step back and give Bain a little, a little bit more of these offensive opportunities that he seems to want to take for himself, then it could help both of their games. So that's another way Bain could take a step forward this season. It's just by Dylan kind of understanding that he is behind jaw who you want the ball in their hands. And yeah, but Dylan, I mean, Grizzlies fans were definitely like really low on him in the NBA bubble. That was a long time ago. So it's like, uh, but he was not great. Then he was like great again. Then in the playoffs, he was the reason they lost. I'd say at least like one game. <laughs> um, so it was a little bit, it was a bit of a bummer. You know, he, he does some reckless things. He'll foul at the end of games. He'll, he'll do those he'll take the shot that it's like oh my god Dylan what are you doing but I think overall Grizzlies fans forgive him and are actually pretty high on him yeah you like to see that passion um I actually just remembered as Mm -hmm. we talked about Dylan Brooks when he was a rookie I don't know if Kyle remembers this he got into it with Courtney Lee when the Knicks were playing the Grizzlies I think they were in a jump ball circle and I was like this guy's a rookie Courtney Lee is like at this point, like a 10 year NBA veteran. Um, That's so funny. I was I a little angry with Dylan Brooks that. at the time, but now looking back at how his career has gone and the type of spark plug he is defensively, he's tough. Yeah. He is, I, I have to respect it. I have no choice, but to respect it. Yeah. I mean, he's becoming a player that's, you know, people are hate like sort of Patrick Beverly type player, just, you know, obviously not as intense as that, but I feel like the Grizzlies need, a guy like that who still represents like grit and grind, which will never truly die. And, you know, you want it to live on and guys like Dylan and guys like Steven Adams, you know, so. That was a, we had another dust up between the Grizzlies and Knicks, I believe it was three seasons ago. Uh, the infamous Alfred Payton versus Jay Crowder sideline. Yes. Sh- sideline oh, let's talk so. about that. That was, and then Marcus Morris with his comments post game that, yeah, post, I was like, post game, post game that made me literally like so mad. He said that Jay Crowder had like woman like tendencies or something. And I was like, Yeah, he said, yeah. Uh, he said female tendencies. That was not a good look. It was horrible. Awesome. It made him like, it's why he's one of my least favorite players in the league, actually, among other reasons. But that really like put the nail in the coffin for me. Yeah, when you said Marcus Morris, you started that statement with Marcus Morris made some comments, and I just I feel like <laughs> right now. a wave of Marcus Morris comments uh, popped through my head. But you know, he gave us like half a season, a pretty high level play, and ended up trading him for the pick that became quickly. So, um, so oh, Knicks fans aren't shout out Marcus, Morris. Marcus Morris. Yeah, shout out to him for us. I, I guess that that little Alfred Payton dust up was funny because Payton is not very um, expressive. It, it kind of came out of nowhere. He didn't yeah. usually get too high or too low during games. Um, so yeah. yeah, that was a that was a surprising one. I remember being like, "This is a weird yeah, energy." 
<laughs> it was the Grizzlies won, and then Jay Crowder took a shot once it was like when the, the clock, she should have just like let it expire. I'm pretty sure that was like what wasn't happened. Wasn't there like 40 seconds left? Wasn't it? I remember it. It wasn't, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't know if I remember the details perfectly, but I feel like what Crowder did was defensible in some way. Maybe Crowder and Peyton were going at it during the game though. And, and I didn't see that part. I don't know. I feel like whatever it was, it didn't warrant, you know, it didn't warrant obviously what it led to, but that fight, I always like, my favorite thing to do when there's like fights or whatever in the NBA is like to watch like everyone and how everyone is reacting. Cause it's so funny. Like I remember you'll see different guys, like one guy is just like kind of like pretending to try to make everything better, but really he's like, get me out of here. But yeah, that's definitely a memorable, a memorable moment. Cause it's not often, you know, after the, it's like at the end of the game and didn't they just like end it before, obviously none of us like remember this super clearly, but I'm, I, honestly could wouldn't be surprised if they just like ended the game with 40 seconds or whatever left because it was very obvious the Grizzlies at that point were going to win but yeah it was it was something it was some it was very strange end to that game it's weird because it was like um I'm sure a lot of Knicks fans were in the same boat as me I was kind of starting to tune the game out because the Knicks were losing significantly they had no chance at a right I see you know I see the people swarm together you know, I hear the commentators talking about it and uh, I rush back to my TV. But yeah. um, I doubt we'll see anything like that tomorrow. I don't think that there's enough built up uh, frustration yet. Yeah, no. Many I players. Think so. I think everybody's got a, a good attitude going into the season. And yeah. um, I, we did want to ask you if you could make a final score prediction tomorrow, what would that be? I'd say it'll be like high scoring um, in the hundreds. So I'll go 111 to Grizzlies to, oh. <laughs> to 100, um, like four. 111, 104. Yeah. That what about y'all? Potentially accurate. Um, I have to predict the next one. So I will yeah, personally go. 107.99 mix. Okay. I like I that guys, score. You guys are being too respectable. Uh, we're going to get in trouble if we if we don't go all the way in. So I'm just going to say it's going to be a 15-point Knicks win. I'm going to zig when everybody zags. Uh, we're on fire from three for absolutely no reason. Obi Toppin hits like three despite hitting none in the postseason, something like that. We walk away with an improbable double-digit victory. <laughs> I, yeah. my pets interrupt this podcast more times than I've ever been able to count. So don't worry about it. But um, yeah, so I think, yeah, nice, nice double digit victory so that uh, Knicks fans could be annoying to start the season as is uh, now become tradition. And uh, I think the only way that that happens is with a double digit win to make everybody really just with not like 30 tolerable. something points from Julius Randle. To me, that's the way the Knicks win is if Randall's able to explode. Also, I kind of agree. This is like sort of a cop out, but I feel like if it's single digits, the Grizzlies will win. And if it's double digits, like if it's a more of a blowout, it will be the Knicks. Um, so I, I don't hate your opinion, actually. Tom Thibodeau would be sick hearing that. Tom Thibodeau definitely thinks that like he's coming out on top of like a 93 to 85 game. <laughs> That's his bread and butter right there. But um, I think, yeah, I think if the Knicks are going to win, it's going to be a three-point barrage. And oh, uh, they're both coming. Oh, there's they a couple never of <laughs> They never both join. You guys must be special. They're really excited, They're excited for about the game. Who could blame them? Yeah. Who could blame them? Yeah. Knicks basketball. I'll ask him basketball is back. <laughs> Very excited. All right, but uh, before we let you get out of here now, uh, one one last thing. Just give us one, the the biggest boldest grizzly take you have for this season as your parting shot here. Just it, it, as insane as you can. The one thing you truly okay. believe as bold as it can be. Well, Desmond Bain could be an all-star reserve this season. Oof, that's a good one. That's 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 a good bold score. Yeah, it's uh, bold. I literally just came up. That just popped in my brain. Usually, those kind of questions are hard, but you know what? Yeah. I'll Listen, go with yeah, that. You, you got to go as far as you can. On we, we did a show, uh, uh, a little a little show. Yeah, uh, we dropped today. But uh, my my big bold take for the Knicks this season was Mitchell Robinson, first team All Defense. DPOY uh, wow. campaign. I don't think I don't know if he wins. I think he's definitely in the conversation. 
behind I'm a excited. better than 37 wins next season. And that's why I think he gets in the conversation coming off getting paid. Yeah. So he's got to be playing with energy. Now he finally got paid. Remember yeah. he was playing for free before. And people don't know this or don't always know this, but he was, uh, his rookie deal. He fired like six agents because his rookie deal, they, oh my God. they got him like 10 cents on the dollar. It was one of the worst rookie deals in the history. Wow. Of NBA. I actually do remember that. Honestly, now that you mention it, um, ba- barely playing for like a million dollars, like just awful, awful situation for him to have to play it through. So he finally got his yeah. money, came into shape. You know, he, he looks like he's in tremendous shape. Yeah. He knows he's normally a very slow starter the first week or two of the season. Looks tremendous. So for me, I'm all in on this Mr. Robinson stuff. That's my propaganda, my bull take, my push. Yeah. Don't you think it's always like so weird when people are like excited that they like swindled a player, you know, like, oh, like we barely had to pay anything for him. You know, it's like, why don't you want these guys to get paid? These people, these franchises have so much money. Like it doesn't. It no, doesn't you couldn't really be more right. Uh, we, we definitely feel that way. I remember being a little miffed that the Knicks didn't decline the last year on Mitchell Robinson's like, you know, second round contract rate deal. Um, yeah. Like Nuggets had done with Jokic a, a year, a couple of years before, you know, you declined that last year and you pay them in accordance with what they should be paid. Like Mitchell right. Robinson was giving us starting center production for a couple of years already. And then, you know, the Knicks yeah. did right by him with this contract in the end, I think it all evens out, but you know, yeah, what if he yeah. had been hurt or, or something like that? So um, I wanted that security for him. I'm glad he's got it now. And I agree with Kyle. I could see all defense for Mitchell Robinson. And I absolutely see all-star for Desmond Bain, because if the Grizzlies record-wise um, come the all-star game, come all-star weekend, if they're top one, two, three seed, you know, they'll be in the conversation for two all-stars. And Jaron Jackson will have missed a lot of time. So I don't think yeah, he'll yeah. be in that discussion. So yeah, Desmond Bain is, you know, like everyone's ideal of, uh, three and D young wing. And he's a lot of fun to watch and he should be a lot of fun to watch tomorrow. Emphasis on the three. <laughs> but Yeah. But not, but not too much fun tomorrow. I don't want you or any Grizzlies fans having too much fun watching Desmond Bain. Cause that might mean that he hit nine threes and the Knicks defense is yeah, yeah. and Evan Fournier yeah. is big trouble with the internet and uh, it wouldn't be a good look for us, but well, Hey, congrats on finally getting a big free agent, even if it's not as big as, you typically think you're gonna get um and good luck this season i'm i'm excited about the knicks i put i've done like a little q a on my instagram today and someone asked are the knicks gonna be good and i said yes so i believe in y'all even though i have y'all have been like the butt of some jokes over the years which so. every team really has but excited and i think tomorrow will be fun yeah, and hopefully when the Knicks and Grizzlies meet again, I'm not sure exactly when that is, but hopefully when they do, both of them are well over 500 and having great seasons and it can be an epic phase. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to like meet again and be like, okay, what were we wrong about? What are we laughing at now? But definitely excited for it. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. So, you know, again, thank you, Molly, for joining us. Uh, tell the people where they can follow you, uh, you know, Twitter, IG, whatever, so you can plug your stuff. Yeah, follow me on Twitter and TikTok at Molly Hannah M. I always laugh when I say TikTok. I'm like, oh no. Um, follow me on Instagram, Molly underscore Morrison, and hopefully follow me somewhere else soon. Still figuring out what that next job is. So exciting things coming, and I appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely. Wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, y'all.